Well, hello there, SE land. This is Twig, Twig's SE Reflections, episode number 36. Ooh, almost all the prime numbers are gone. This one has nice symmetry. Three, six, 36. Choice points. Oh, let's look at this choice point. A critical one. The, the classic moment in a session when you think to yourself, oh, I should let them just follow what's happening now and stop asking questions. I should say that magic line, something that goes along like, oh, so you notice that sensation. Oh, so you see that image. Oh, so you feel that emotion. Oh, so that's happening for you. Maybe you just notice that and see what happens next. Maybe you just notice that and feel what happens next. Maybe you just notice that and allow yourself to experience what happens next. Whatever it is we say, we look for this place sometimes where we're going to allow the attention to go free. And in doing so, allow whatever happens to happen. You know, and maybe our hope here is that as a person's attention goes free, this involuntary free organic pendulation is going to kind of hold their attention, take over their attention, follow from one thing leading to the next. Their attention is going to go along for the ride. And this thing that has maybe, as some of us say, been waiting to happen is finally going to have the opportunity to happen, unfettered by your questions, uninhibited by the client's restriction on it or uh, missed because the client isn't paying attention to it. In fact, everything is going to happen just like magic because they're going to stay right with it and one thing is going to lead to the next. And this opening question, this question that turns the attention from an investigation, what are you noticing? Where are you noticing it? How are you noticing it? To, oh, you notice it that way. Let's go ahead and notice it that way. And see what happens next. Let it be itself. When we switch over to that involuntary allowance, what I think is really nicely named phase three in Stephen Hoskinson language, but okay, you can think about this in lots of different ways. And certainly a lot of us do this because a lot of times I think, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody could have done this any more often than I have overall. So I'm right in here with you, but I think a lot of us use that allowance turn, that choice point. We try to grab for that choice point perhaps sooner than our clients are ready before they're actually invested in paying attention in that way, before they've developed the experience in their attention enough that left to their freedom of their attention, their free device, like just, oh, just let your let yourself just notice that and see what happens next without having to keep the vigilance of helping to direct what the person is paying attention to. We, sometimes maybe we jump to that a little early and find out that one, two, three moments into the tracking of that thing that happens next, a person is in fact off thinking about other things, their laundry, 
other problems at home, the challenge of answering your questions legitimately, could be lots of different kinds of things. And it's true, this choice point can be done enthusiastically with um, the best of intentions and a bit too early. If we think about it, what do we really need? Yeah, we need somebody to be paying enough attention to be interested in the thing that they're paying attention to, to not be immediately bombarded by other kinds of thoughts and queries on their attention, and to trust that if they pay attention to this, it's going to maintain their interest long enough for them to keep the thread of attention going from one moment to the next as they notice a change so that that change and the process of watching those changes unfold becomes in itself interesting so they don't have to end up going somewhere else. I call that moment, who, sorry, silly word here. I call that moment observational sufficiency. I'm looking for observational sufficiency. And, and I apologize, people, if you've, some of you have taken some of my workshops and you've heard me kind of harp on this one. And in fact, my languaging guide kind of thing, which has come out of one of or one of my languaging workshops, kind of talk a lot about this. And, and I'm enthusiastic about that because because this is a great thing, except that it's a silly thing to name something, observational sufficiency. What is it? It's like when a person is like observing that thing enough where the complex of that, the associations of that, the image that they're watching, the feeling that they're having, the impression that they're moving their way into the the tension that they have in their shoulder. They're able to say where it is, why not why it's like that, but where it is, how deep it is, more on the right side, more on the left side. They become interested in it. And the signal for me, the, the cheat that I use, that tells me if a person has observational sufficiency, is when they start giving me novel information about the thing we are investigating, the element of their experience that we're investigating, maybe the sequence of associations, oh, tension here in my chest, oh, it's spreading to my shoulders. Oh, when they give novel information, it's spreading to my shoulders and I can feel, I can feel actually how it like comes down to my hands and actually my hands are kind of tingling. And I haven't asked, what's happening down at your hands? Or where's it spreading? But they've taken the last question, oh, where do you notice that? Oh, I notice it in my shoulders. But also I think it's, I think it's actually coming down into my arms. And you hear the, the little spark of interest and curiosity, and you hear that they are tracking the attention of where else it might lead when they give observational sufficiency in the sense of, ooh, they're really paying attention to this. They're giving me things that I'm not even asking for yet. They're, they're amplifying by the proximity of their attention what else is available for them to notice right now, sometime right around then, I think to myself, ooh, we've arrived at that choice point. Then I make a quick look back how, you know, really, how legitimate is this? And if it's legitimate enough, I think that's a really nice signal that says, oop, the terrain is different here. It's an opportunity to ask that 
lovely question. Hey, as you notice it up there in your shoulders and then also coming down your arm and then getting all the way down into your fingertips like that and you say maybe it's even a little bit of tingling, do you think it's okay if you just feel that shoulder down your arm, the little bit of tingling? Maybe you just feel all of those and we'll just watch those and we'll see what happens next. A lovely choice point signified by whether or not a person has observational sufficiency and if not, ooh, keep pulling out the details, keep increasing the curiosity, keep the conversation light enough for sure, but in the direction of bringing the attention and the awareness here now. Once it arrives, once they're there, you can just let it go and we will see what happens next. That'll be fun. Observational sufficiency. Isn't that just so tacky? Some of us do that. I do that. Make up words. Look at that. Sometimes you need things to be present. Sometimes you need things to be present and sufficient. You need like the necessary part and the sufficient part. In philosophy, they call these things necessary and sufficient conditions. You need their attention there. You need enough of it there. You need a necessary and sufficient amount, and then you have observational sufficiency. At least in this case, that's one way to call it. More words. Get up, get up. Twig saying goodbye get up, get up. to you now. <laughs>